welcome to the latest edition of Client Ships Customer Experience Superheroes. This is the podcast series where we explore the characteristics, behaviours and traits needed for leaders in customer experience today. In conversation with experts covering a range of different areas of customer experience, we discover what those superpowers are. In this episode, we catch up with Shane Goldberg, Principal Consultant at CustCore in Australia. In this episode, Shane helps us understand how important it is to get your people to understand the role they play in delivering excellent customer experience. So we are here today speaking to Shane Goldberg. Good morning, Shane. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's good afternoon for you, isn't it? We'll come to that in a minute. But thank you so much for joining us on the CX Superheroes podcast. Um, Shane, we're going to talk about a really important topic today, which is uh, about kind of getting your staff connected with the topic of customer experience. Uh, But before we do, you and I came together, kindly put your hand up very early on to become a captain for the Customer Experience World Games. Outside of that, you've got a very successful CX practice in Melbourne, Australia. So would you mind introducing yourself for the uh, the listeners, please? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, Shane Goldberg, as mentioned, I run a company called CustCore Consulting in Melbourne, Australia. So it's actually good afternoon, as you said. (laughs) So we do customer experience consulting, everything from strategy development through a lot of customer insights work in interviews and surveys, a lot of process design and transformation service design, and then more and more sort of cultural change and those sort of activities. Had CustCore for six years. Before that, I worked in a big telco here called Telstra uh, for 12 years. Uh, doing everything from product management to process improvement and then finished in there and leading a big customer experience team. So I got my hands dirty in a big corporate and then left and set up my my own consultancy. Excellent. So you started life in product? Product management, yes. Right, it's just a different sort of perspective. Quite often you find people in CX come from service or marketing. But I've, I've found actually if you have uh, people who have come from change management or supply or product management, you have a very different perspective on on things. Have you found that? Yeah, I have. Uh, as you said, most people that are now in customer experience ha- have got that customer service background. Um, product management definitely gives you a different perspective. It gives you a more well-rounded perspective, I think, because you need to understand everything around financials and customer and everything like that when you're a product manager. And I, and I do find if you come from a kind of service or marketing background, then people quite often feel that what they're doing is figuring out how to sell customer experience. You know, it becomes something you sell to customers. And I think yeah. if you're if you're in if you're in product or change or operations, it's actually something you provide to customers, which is a, a very a very small word, but a very big distinction. What's your view on that? Do you find customer experience is something that should be sold, or, or is actually something that just should be done for customers? I think it's definitely something that should just be done. It should be part of the inbuilt culture of the company. They shouldn't have to sell it. It should just be something that people do because they really want to do it and they understand it and that they know why it's so important. We're in a time where we have a rush of digitalization because it's become almost the, the only way to communicate and contact with many customers. And there's a, a lot of talk about the 
importance of, of people in frontline interactions. But but we're going to go into the business. You want to talk about the importance of people in the business. So do you want to, do you want to launch this topic for us? Yeah, one of the things I've seen with many clients is that they kind of view customer experience as we need to improve the way our people interact with customers. When they are talking about that, they're talking about their frontline people. So people Mm -hmm. in store, people on the phones or live chat or something like that. What they actually forget is that behind those people and behind their website are other people. The work those people do is really important around customers and customer experience as well. So you talked about digital, for example. So the people that actually design the website, create the website, all of those people need to have a customer perspective and a customer focus. Otherwise, the website's going to be terrible to use and customers won't use it. People in finance need to understand how the, what they do impacts on the customers. People in human resources need to understand. Every single group has an impact on either the customer directly or on someone that's serving the customers. And if that goes wrong, then those people serving the customers can't do a great job in actually dealing with the customers and giving them a great experience. So it's a perspective I've had for a while. It's one I share with many clients and one many clients struggle with, unfortunately. Do you think there's quite often, as you say, sort of a rush to let's find the things that need fixing for our customers and just an assumption of when we get there to fix those things, everyone will naturally think about them from the customer's perspective. Yeah, I think it's definitely a topic that is generally not approached, or if it is approached, it's a scary topic for many leaders. As you say, they often approach customer experiences, let's fix some processes or do some training or something like that, something tangible. Mm -hmm. What they really struggle with is let's change the mindset of our people, because that's really hard to do. But it's really, really critical. And it's, it's scary for many leaders, especially leaders that have come up the ranks from, as you say, customer service or operations or anything like that, where they're really practical. Changing the mindset is a scary thing for them and it's hard. So they avoid doing it. But I've, I've had too many programs with clients where they make process changes and things don't actually change because the mindset hasn't changed. And, and you talk about departments we're talking about here are ones that just, well, unless, unless you design it so they can, they'll never interact with the customers, such as finance or, or legal or um, compliance. Or, or, or So how, how do you engage those types of individuals in the value of customer centricity? I do a lot of work around what I call line of sight. That's not a term I created. It's in certain parts of customer experience around getting them to understand their line of sight to customers. And what I mean by that is how what they do impacts indirectly on customers through those people that do serve customers. And it's doing a lot of work with them to understand that and to go into practical examples of how they impact on that sort of thing. So for, for example, finance, um, I've done work with a finance department in the past to understand how the finance decisions they make impact on contact centers of the company. And if they don't make the right decisions around the contact centers uh, in terms of finance, then the customer experience is terrible. Someone was telling me that customers had a terrible experience when it came to refunds. 
and, and the reason was that finance, um, because it's, it's kind of money and it's balancing the books, when the organisation yeah. was smaller, they, they managed the refunds because they did them sort of manually. Now they're yeah. a much bigger organisation, that responsibility still sat with them, but they treated it as an accountancy task that they had to do. So the experience for the customer was just absolutely woeful. And, and, you know, so the, the initial thing was, well, let's take it out of finance and give it to someone else. But the person I was speaking to said, actually, why don't we try explaining to finance almost this, you know, their line of sight so they can understand. And of course, they had the ideas. It, you know, the ideas in terms of the improvements weren't the um, ownership of uh, people who are frontline. They, they came up with a perfect solution for it. So to, to your point there, you've just got to help them understand the consequential impact of their actions. Another good example often where finance has control over a really important function is billing. I, I've seen a lot of examples where finance do oversight billing and, and in some cases they do it really well, but in some cases not so well. But as I said, it's not just finance. It's any of those back of house roles or admin roles or people roles or, or legal, as you mentioned. Lots of examples where, especially in B2B, Legal make the customer experience really difficult, especially for new customers, because they make contracts really long, really complicated, really hard to sign up, all of those sort of things. Mm. And, and, I, and I know certainly from working in the insurance sector and working with um, the marketing teams and the legal teams, being independent of either, what became very evident was the concern legal had, the marketing would oversell the policy. So therefore, yeah. they needed to make sure it was belt and braces and they were covered. The customer didn't come up at all in any of the conversations. And you just realize if you know, that voice of the customer is typically thought of from the frontline perspective, as you say, if you can get that voice of the customer to the back office, there's no reason compliance and legal and finance won't make the right decisions either so uh, so so how do you i mean is that is that an idea is is getting the voice of the customer to those departments the, the thing to do or are there other things shane getting voice of the customer to those departments is really critical and there are smart ways to do that it depends obviously on the industry and the market and the company but the way i've done that in the past is to get actual emails or, or survey feedback from customers and actually just share that with those departments and mm -hmm. put in a process where they actually go through that every month, for instance, in team meetings or things like that, just so that they can hear the customer and in some cases actually hear the customers because we do call recording and those sort of things um, so they can actually hear and see the customers. Other ways to get them to understand the customers more is to actually get them to go out to the front lines. Okay. and spend some time with the front lines. Uh, that can be quite confronting for some of those people that may never have actually dealt with a customer. But I know, for instance, when I was in Telstra, I was in one of these teams. Uh, we did, I wasn't actually customer facing, but we were in the operations team at one stage of my career. And we actually went out to one of the contact centers. I actually got on the complaints line and dealt with complaints for half a day. That was really interesting. That interaction, it drives kind of a deep memory, doesn't it? It, it creates yeah. a connection. And I, I can imagine you probably, even if you were to kind of close your eyes, can still hear that customer's voice in your head, which if you're a customer service rep, you won't be able to do that because you deal with customers all the time. But if you're working in the back office, those are really important moments for you that you, you give you a chance to connect with the customer. Is, is that something you sort of encourage in the program work you do then to try and bring the back office staff into kind of, either audio connection or physical connection with customers? 
Yeah, definitely. As much as possible, I encourage all my clients to think about how they can get anyone in a corporate center or back of house or whatever it is more in front of customers. And it doesn't have to be directly dealing with customers. It can be um, partnering with someone that does. So you like going into a contact center and doing audio jacking so you can hear the calls and, and those sort of things as much as possible. And one really important point is to get leaders to do it. So it's not just the team members, but the actual leaders of the groups. And I mean, I've talked about these back of house teams or admin teams. The other group that often not quite far away from customers is the really senior leaders of a company. Um, mm -hmm. They may have come up the ranks and dealt with customers in their past, but it's often been quite a while since they've done it and they're in their ivory towers in some cases and haven't dealt with customers and actually spoken to them for a long time. So I work a lot with senior leaders to get them back out into the channels. Great. And, and you know, sort of how do you do, I mean, I've come across things like customer councils before where the senior leaders have customer information presented back to them, but it's quite putting customers into the room. Is that connection important or, or can you do it just with a, with a report? You can start it with a report, but that's not the same as you say of actually having customers in the room, actually talking to them, as I'm saying. Uh, mm. I've, I've had a couple of projects where the CEO and their leadership team have actually, with encouragement, decided to call customers and to speak to them about how things are going. Sometimes it's to respond to complaints, but not always. Sometimes it's just to speak to them, to talk about how things are going, what can be improved. And that has made such a difference to the way they think about how they actually manage the company, what they focus on, what they prioritize, everything like that. That's probably one of the most critical things, isn't it? Because if in the, the town halls and the narrative that they're, they're sharing with their, their staff, if they can reference you know, that, that interaction or paraphrase what customers have said, it creates such a, an important recognition that yeah. it's okay. We, we communicate, we talk to our customers. And, and I, I think, yeah, you, you can't do that, as you say, if you kind of come off a report. I do remember, because you jogged my memory, someone telling me many, many years ago this was about a, an idea they ran, which was uh, the board met in one room, they had customers meet in another room, and they discussed the same topics. Obviously, nothing kind of, you know, financial nothing sensitive in there but big things in there the, the the group who are running it then swapped the results over to each of the other groups in terms of the, the decisions that were made and then they got together afterwards for, for for drinks to their surprise both groups actually pretty much gave the same answers <laughs> which yeah. which really helped the the board and i think it was because i remember now that it was some animosity that the board members were like our customers just wouldn't understand our business so they proved yes they would <laughs> they'd understand why you make decisions that you make and it then created this really comfortable connection between the, the, the senior leaders and the customers, which I thought was a, a, smart, a smart initiative at the time. A brave one, but a, a smart one. Yeah, and it's a really interesting point. And that is a really smart initiative. And it's interesting to me how many clients I work with where the board or senior management are scared of customers, if I can put it that way. Yep. They actually are really worried about customers don't really want to talk to them in case they're annoyed that sort of thing which is to me very strange but I've seen it multiple times so it's not a one-off. I've got a, a friend who's now a senior marketing director we went out for uh, dinner and he said oh I'm meant to be a, a focus group tonight but I left myself a bit short so I didn't go and as we got talking he didn't leave himself short he didn't go because of imposter syndrome 
So yeah. he, he, he was actually worried that he, the customers would say, you don't know what you're doing. He was actually, you know, to your point, scared was, is the right word. And I just thought, I couldn't believe it. You know, he'd sit there, talk to me about the strategies and everything else that they were thinking of doing. And it was very impressive. But the idea of standing in front of a customer and saying, I'm responsible for the marketing really did make him feel quite uncomfortable that he couldn't do it. And we sort of agreed it was this imposter syndrome. I think some of it is that, isn't it? It's kind of, it's just, my God, real customers. Um, <laughs> what, what do we do? Yeah, exactly. No, you are right. That imposter syndrome comes up in lots and lots of places. I think it's that. I think it's also that they are a bit worried about actually being held accountable mm. in certain cases. Yeah. Well, I think as customers, we assume whether we're talking to the CEO or we're tweeting um, on social media, I've got a gripe it'll be dealt with now. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of landing, uh, and I think this is where um, helping everyone understand the value of experience is so important because, you know, if you say to the CEO, I'm unhappy with this, you, it's a bit like on the, the, the politicians on the doorstep, like, we'll sort that. And then, you know, when there's a policy not in place to change it, you're frustrated. But actually worse than that is when a policy is put in place to change it. And then everyone is affected just because the, the yeah. CEO didn't want to um, lose face. That is a good point. And one of the things to be wary of sometimes with getting, especially senior leaders to talk to customers, just something to be aware of is not jumping at every single issue that comes up. It might be a one-off issue and it causes a whole lot of work to solve where there's other priorities. So it's important for leaders to talk to customers and to have a, the right process in place to prioritise what to do with the feedback. That's great advice, Shane. So, so we've spoken about leaders, we've spoken about some of the more functional back offices. And I, and I can imagine that when you come in and run a program, all of these are, are component parts that you, you make sure are covered, which mm. I, I think in fairness to you, a lot of others don't, they dive into the journey maps and they dive into the fixes and the improves. Yeah. What about when you've left, how do you make it sustainable? How do you create that kind of deep rooted natural way of thinking about customers throughout the organization? That's a bit of a big yeah, one. Sorry about that, Shane. <laughs> no, that, that's a really good question. It's one of the huge challenges because if you can put in place many processes that you want, and, and it ties back to the culture, if you can't change the culture and make it really customer-focused, then any short-term changes you make will just go back to what they were prior to those changes if you haven't changed the culture. That's why short-term improvement programs I don't think work. Real changes in customer experience take long time because you have to change the culture. And culture is a big term and lots of people talk about culture. But what you actually have to change is what we're talking about, the focus on the customer from people. It has to be ingrained in people that any decisions they make or anything they do, they've got to at least consider the customer and what the impact will be, as well as considering, obviously, business outcomes and people outcomes and everything like that. If that's not ingrained in people, then as soon as a consultant leaves the room, they'll go back and change back to the previous behaviour and that consultant will be coming back in a year to change things again. So here's an interesting question for you. When you were originally in product, did, did you think customer? Was it in the back of your head? Do you think customer or have you sort of developed that capability as, as you've developed your career? I maybe thought a tiny bit about customer, but not mm. a lot. When but it, I was first there. Started out. it was there. It was there. It was there, but it wasn't a big focus. I've built the customer focus in my career. I'm not sure how much you know about Telstra, but Telstra, 
a while ago went through a very big customer experience transformation led by mm-hmm. David Thody, who was the CEO at the time. There's a lot of people I've spoken to, including myself, who that was actually a career-changing experience because it made us just ingrained thinking about customers all the time. It was life-changing. Uh, the, re- the reason I ask that is because I'm thinking about from a HR perspective, you get to the point where you recognize that a lot of staff who fully get this now, they're on board, their first thought is to be customer-led, but you end up with a, a group of staff who, who for whatever reason it just doesn't matter to them so from a hr perspective can you recruit people who have that small amount of customer consideration from the outset so yeah so i guess my question on this one is you know can you can you train it into people or is it is it something you naturally have to be part of your kind of your, your dna I think it's actually both i i actually encourage a lot of um, hr departments to recruit for customer focus because it's a lot easier to bring someone in that has that already has a customer focus than it is to train it but you can train it um, and you can train it as long as you're training it as part of a broader change program if it's just if it's just a training program that won't work but if it's a part of a broader cultural change program I, I've seen that work but if you can hire in people that have customer focus, that work's done for you and it's much, much easier. And to your point about you'll always have these people that just don't think about it or don't get it. I mean, that's true and that's common with all change programs. And that's re- really where you either need to make a call. Do you build the processes and leadership and capabilities around those people so that they have to be customer focused, even if it's not ingrained in their psyche? Or do you move them on? Uh, Nate Brown talks about it in terms of the the fence, you know, the the in or out sort of sitting on the fence, and uh, yeah. um, so, so there is a group there that sort of sort of will will fall out. I, I was uh, overhearing uh, Colin Shaw the other day, and he was talking about the importance of that initial induction, those first few days with new employees, being so important in terms of their understanding of the value of customer centricity have you, have you found in the programs you work with that working with the hr functions is really important definitely and colin's right induction of new employees is so critical around getting this right and including customer focus in there but specifically including the customer focus in the way the company or the organization wants them to focus on customers because customer focus like culture is a big broad term, but there are different ways that different organizations want that focus to show up. And you've got to ingrain that in your new people and get that right. Because once they get out into the wild, they'll learn from other people which may not have that focus or anything like that. But if you can get to them at the start, they'll have that right focus from the start. Excellent. So Shane, if you were to bump into someone who's going through a customer transformation and they're kind of there, saying it, we're doing all the right stuff you know we're going through the processes we're, we're finding things we need to change we've understood you know how, how to how to increase customer commitment but i just don't i think people are just going through the motions what, what would be sort of your top three tips to people to actually start making it ingrained um once again a good question so i would say top three tips would be first of all get everyone in the organization to understand how what they do impacts on the customers. And you can do that through two basic questions. How many customers do you directly impact every week? 
-hmm. and how many customers do you indirectly impact every week? And getting people to really think about that, almost everyone in the organization will actually realize that they indirectly impact a lot of customers. The second tip I would say is focus on leaders, get them really customer focused and get them driven. If you need to put in KPIs, put in KPIs, but do something to get your leaders really talking about customers, driving their people around customers. And the third one, it ties to what I just talked about, which is the measures and KPIs. If you can get the right measures in place, people are driven by measures and KPIs. It's not, uh, I mean, they are driven by um, their mindsets as well. But if you need to take people on a journey, it helps if the KPIs and measures in an organization line up with that, because then you've got the emotions driving them, the measures driving them, the financials driving them, everything driving them towards that customer focus. Brilliant. In terms of those measures, I mean, I think we're all very familiar with the, the, the customer, you know, the customer perception measures like satisfaction and, and the outcome measures like, you know, loyalty. And when it comes to employees, is that more challenging? Is that, is that a softer thing or are there some, some clues you can lay down to say, you know, if this, if this internal measure moves from here to here, we know we're going in the right direction. I'm a big fan of tying the operational internal measures to those outcome customer measures like NPS or customer stat or things like that. That's often quite contextual for the organisation as to which measures they need to tie to it. I mean, we talk about things like billing and returns and customer service. So in those areas, you can tie operational measures to those things. Something like legal, it might be a bit harder, but you can always find those kind of measures or you can focus on embedding some of those customer measures in those areas. Great. A whole array of, of different ways. I guess it really does depend on the function and, and the organisation, but um, some, some yes. really good direction there. One of the things that has meant over the last few months we've realised is that the sort of support that you provide is not something that is just restricted to uh, your, your geography. So... I guess anyone around the world who's got a challenge in this space, they can get hold of you, I guess. And, and you know, you work internationally, you're comfortable with that? Yeah, definitely. So the, um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. You should hopefully be able to find me just by searching for Shane Goldberg, or you can go to my website, custcore.com.au. Great. Well, well, we'll put a link of that into the description uh, for you. And uh, when they're on the website, I guess they, you've got some stuff, you've got posts and things on there for more of this type of information. Yeah, definitely. So that's on the website. That's on LinkedIn as well. So lots of stuff around all this. Excellent. Well, look, um, Shane, it's been a, a delight talking to you about this really important topic. It certainly is um, we talk about customer experience, superheroes needing to have um, superpowers. And, and I think the ability to really impact, motivate and change your staff is fundamental for, for sustainable customer experience transformation. So, so thank you so much for bringing that to light. And, and on a personal note, thank you again for um, raising your hand and being a captain for the Customer Experience World Games. You raised the standards, you, you pushed, pushed the teams and one of, one of, uh, one of the challenges uh, yourself. So uh, thank you very much for being a part of that. And, and if it comes around again in 2021, are you up for it again? Yeah, Definitely. Customer Experience World Games was a great experience. I definitely encourage anyone that is listening that gets a chance to participate, 
if it does come up again to take part and I'd definitely put my hands up and thank you Christopher for having me on the podcast oh you're, you're very welcome thank you